Yes, Ritz, good boy. Keep up with me, little darling. Edgar, you drop that girl, I will hurt you. Sorry, Otter Diary, it's a bit... It's a bit rushed right now, but I need to report to you. I fear for our lives, and if I don't report now, then I might never have another chance. If I die now, who will know what happened? The answer is no one, Edgar. If I die, you die too, you egg basket. Currently, was being chased by the men in masks. The trap was far more elaborate than I would have imagined. I didn't think the men in masks would still be here, but here they are, chasing us down like dogs. <gasps> How did that one get on the ceiling? What are they? No, you back away. You back away. Back off, you bloody bastards. Don't just stand there, Edgar. If you don't look directly at them, you won't freeze. Ernest, darling, keep running. I... feel the urge to record my last and final moments, and that's out of fear, but it's okay now because I'm alive and back on the ship, with everyone, and we're all okay. Well, most of us at least, Ernest and Hattie, they, well, let me start from the beginning. Alex sent us in to get the hostages. They said that we were fools, but good fools, and if we did this job right, they would let us live. Not that I trusted their words for even a second, but I had no choice. And I wanted to be the one to save them anyways, and thanks to Angelics, I was able to. Just not in the way I thought I would. When we arrived, back in the city of Divine Vox, I couldn't believe my eyes. It was as though nothing had happened. The damage from such a short time ago was completely gone, and the Darling's home was completely unscathed which meant that the basement was rebuilt, was there. It meant that it existed, and that meant that Hattie, Ernest, and Ricks were being held there. The city was silent as we walked through the streets. It was as though all the partygoers had fled or hid deep within the safety of their homes, if anywhere near these aristocrats could be called safe. I remember when we walked down the very same streets for the Aquarius Ball. The smells, the sights, and the sounds. I remember them so vividly, but now... Now the scene was so different. The blues, greens, and greys of the tall home suddenly seemed... dull and less vibrant than I had remembered. The glittering white cobblestone streets suddenly seemed so very chilling and cold, and all I could smell was the decay of the sea, and all I could hear was the howling of the empty winds as they zigzagged through the narrow alleys and the thin streets. And before I knew it, we were at the Darling's mansion. We walked in with ease, as expected of a trap. Alex and Clint went upstairs while Edgar Lewis and I headed towards the basement. Alex said that they would see to the Darling's. And see to them they did, but 
In the meantime, we headed down to the basement and into the darkness. Not a sound to be heard. That should have been our first clue that they were there. The men in the shadows. The men in masks. I felt my blood run cold. My eyes adjusted to the dark soon enough, and at some point, though I don't know which one, I found the door. I opened it and found that the large basement was practically empty. The tubes that had connected through the ceiling were still there, though they were ripped apart and jagged. Occasionally one would let out a puff of steam, but the circular holes in the ground told me that the containers we'd found last time, and their contents, had been demolished. Now all that was left was three inspection tables, each with a different individual. Ernest, Hattie, and Ricks were lined up in a single row, three separate lights shining down on them, bright and shining into their sleeping faces. I began to rush towards them, my ray gun at the ready. I heard the heavy footsteps of the two men behind me when suddenly a pair stopped. Edgar and I turned to look and see Lewis standing there. He seemed so calm, so slimy. You really are fools, you know, he said, his grin widening. Edgar hissed that this was no time for games, but I caught on fast enough. I'd known it in my gut all along, Audio Diary. He's the real reason why the men in masks found our ship and climbed aboard. Lewis Cooper has been helping the aristocrats all along. He snapped his fingers and suddenly the men came out, their elongated faces staring at us with honeycomb eyes. They came for us, but I looked away. I remember the effect they had on me last time and I would not allow it to ever happen again. No, not this time. I grabbed Edgar and we rushed to the tables, releasing our friends as the masked creatures of darkness moved ever so slowly toward us. It's no use, Louis said. That little slime. Ricks awoke at the sound of my voice. He leapt to my side in an instant. But then we saw Hattie and Ernest. Onto your diary. They took Hattie's arm in Ernest's eye. I was able to rouse Ernest from his slumber, but Edgar had to carry Hattie, as I'm sure you heard. We rushed up the basement stairs, but the men in masks are creatures of the like I have never encountered before. We could scarcely outrun them, and I knew a sacrifice had to be made. Just one more sacrifice. One worth the lives of people. People I care about. Even if they do not care about me. I opened Angelic's wings to its full width, and then, breaking one of the steam tubes, I sent it crashing down the hall, into Lewis, and into the men in masks. They collided back, and it gave us the extra few seconds we needed to rush up the rest of the narrow staircase and into the main hall. Edgar screamed on the communication device to Alex and Clint that it was time to go. We were able to get on the ship, but the men in masks did not follow. It was as though they'd been stopped by something. We waited with fainted breath for the men to follow. 
but we were really waiting for the captain and his second to make their appearance. Seconds went by. A minute. And then what felt like an eternity. And then we saw the captain walk down the street. Stroll could have almost described it. Blood splattered across their handsome face and dripping down their gloved hands. And then we heard an explosion. We saw the smoke rise in the distance. It's over, Alex said. For the darlings, at least. No one knows exactly what happened in that room. What Clint and Alex saw. What words or actions were exchanged. But I do know that the darlings, the men in masks, and hopefully Lewis, are done for. Gone. As for Hattie and Ernest, well, I don't know yet what I can do for Ernest's eye. I'm not a doctor. But I know I can build Hattie an arm. At least, if I look at the engineering of a leg first. I still don't know how I would attach it, but maybe we can find a doctor. Someone who can help both of them. The nurse here only knows basic treatment, not limb replacement. But before that, we have another issue. While we do not know what happened in that room, we do know what the result was. The only thing Clint would tell us was that the Overtons are our next target. And this time, we would be there to see the fight. Alex walked into the control room where the radio was. They were searching for a specific signal. When it finally locked on, a haughty voice could be heard. A man choking on his own gluttony was laughing, telling us that we did good getting rid of the petty darlings. I have to wonder if all these aristocrats simply hate each other. Are they really willing to commit cannibalism till only one of them is left? If that is the case, I say we sit back, relax and watch the show. But Edgar and Alex seem to be against that idea. The head of the Overtons is a large man named Jonathan Overton. He's a glutton to the highest degree. But at the very least, they aren't drunks like the Darlings. The Darlings, according to Mr. Overton, were suicidal to say the least. Their torturous experiments were beginning to bore them, and their tolerance to their liquor was beginning to make them itch. Alex had done them a service, he stated. And then... He said something, cold. You think he got rid of their experiments? Most, but not all, kiddo. We still have one. Ah, what's her name? Abitha Stranwood. I've never seen Alex so very still. The anger in their eyes came... Nothing close to when the men in mask took Hattie. Mr. Overton said that she's Alex's sister. Trash like the rest of them, he said. But then he got down to making a deal. He said that he knew we had the boy aboard. At first, I thought he was talking about Edgar. But really, he was talking about Ernest. The aristocrats still don't know that Edgar is alive and kicking, which I guess could be a good thing, but 
audio diary. I was so scared. I worried that Alex would seriously consider this deal. And then Clint did something I've never seen him do before. He covered the mic and told Alex that if they took this deal, he would leave and never come back. We will get her back. But if you think throwing our friends away is the way to do it, then my captain, my love, you have thrown away the respect I've always held for you. Clint is such a proper chap, such a noble one too. Quiet as he is, he was right. And though Alex looked angered at his lover's blatant objection, they nodded. We're still coming up with a plan, Audio Diary, but I don't know what to think of Alex anymore. But I do trust Clint, and I know that Alex won't do anything as long as he's in the opposition. Things have grown much darker than the start of this journey, Audio Diary. And I'm no longer certain how I feel. I want to trust Clint and Hattie. But after the stunt Alex pulled, not to mention Lewis, I don't know who to trust. I do know that Hattie and Ernest need me. So does Ricks and Edgar. And I will try my very best to be a great engineer like my grandfather wanted for me. I may have lost Angelics, but I did not lose my hands. And I did not lose my purpose. I can do this. Happy birthday to Blackmore Productions and Bosch and Brave. If you've ever been a part of our journey, whether you've been a listener once or an avid fan, we at Blackmore want to say thank you. You've helped us make our dreams come true. And to all of my actors, writers, and additional helpers, thank you for being a part of a dream that has now lived a year long. This episode of Bosch and Brave was brought to you by Blackmore Productions and is written and produced by Ashley Glenn and voiced by Clover Grayson. Do you like listening to Angelic's pilots who've been betrayed? Become a Glubscriber today and find more podcasts and additional material at blackmoreproductions.com. You can also find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Be sure to also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Take flight to the skies, Angelic's pilots. Blackmore Productions. Some against the current.